The news just keeps getting worse for Sam Bankman-Fried, also known as SBF, after the collapse of his cryptocurrency exchange FTX. Last Friday, SBF's law firm, Paul Weiss, announced that due to conflicts of interest, they have stopped representing SBF, the troubled cryptocurrency magnate. In today's podcast, we focus on the topic of lawyers firing their clients and whether they have a legal obligation to continue representing their clients no matter what. Welcome to This Professional Life, a podcast by Convos Media about trending topics related to all things in the professional services world, from lawyers to accountants and other business-to-business service providers. Hey everyone, I'm Chris and welcome to this episode where we'll talk a bit about the FTX situation and the trouble Sam Bankman-Fried is in and what lawyers are obligated to do if and when situations arise where representing their clients is no longer doable. Now, before I start this episode, please note that I am not a legal expert or a lawyer, and everything discussed on this podcast is really just my opinion based on the research I've compiled from various sources. So for those who haven't been following crypto news over the last couple of weeks, there's been another massive collapse in the crypto world. And this one stings a little because of how its founder had been positioned among celebrities and influencers as a noble capitalist that wanted to do good in this world. It's interesting because I still remember the episode of Nas Daily that I watched and it showcased SBF and the things he wanted to do and how he wanted to give away 90% of his wealth. And while I think that is still true. Unfortunately, he's got himself in a little bit of hot water with this one. Now, if you don't really follow crypto or you haven't heard of FTX and Alameda Research, here's a quick background. So you essentially have two entities involved in this current situation. First, there's FTX, a leading centralized cryptocurrency exchange specializing in derivatives and leveraged products. FTX was founded by SBF, as people call him, an MIT graduate and former trader on Wall Street. So what are derivatives? Well, these are essentially financial products that originate from other financial products or an underlying asset. So for example, if I wanted to trade crude oil, but... I'm not an oil company that wants to buy the actual physical crude. I can buy contracts on the market that can be traded without me having to own it and buying that barrel of crude. And that's essentially you're buying a contract or a derivative of that actual physical asset. Now, due to the volatility and potential high returns of these derivatives, I can also leverage borrow funds to like 2x, 3x, in some cases like 4x my returns, and it really depends on the market conditions. Now second, there's Alameda Research, a quantitative trading firm that was also founded by Sam Bankman-Fried. Quantitative trading uses computer algorithms and programs that are based on straightforward or sophisticated mathematical models to find and take advantage of trading opportunities. Now, in January of 2018, SBF organized an arbitrage trade, moving up to $25 million per day to take advantage of the higher price of Bitcoin in Japan compared to the price of Bitcoin in America. And this is really what quantitative trading algorithms do. They find small arbitrage opportunities and if you can trade them on a massive scale especially utilizing software there could be significant profits to be made now between 2021 and 2022 alameda research began amassing 60 million dollars worth of crypto tokens thinking there would be an 
arbitrage opportunity prior to those tokens being listed on FTX trading platform. Now, Alameda Research suffered a series of losses in May and June of 2022. It is alleged that this resulted in FTX lending Alameda Research more than half of its consumer funds, which if this is true, it's a really bad thing considering you're co-mingling investor funds and ironically, it was explicitly forbidden by FTX's terms of service. Now, according to anonymous sources cited by the Wall Street Journal, FTX executives knew about this, which basically takes out any suspicion of a rogue trader or disgruntled employee making this trade at FTX. So what happened? Well, crypto hasn't been doing well over this past year. After the hype and craze of crypto in 2021, the crypto market has taken a huge hit. At the peak of 2021, Bitcoin was trading close to $65,000 per coin. As of today, November 2022, Bitcoin is now trading at 16000 representing a staggering 77% drop in its value. And as Bitcoin fell, so did all the other cryptocurrencies. This is where things get messy. Because amongst the trading products available at FTX was their actual own token called FTT. So on the 2nd of November, Coindesk, a large crypto marketing publishing and news outlet, published an article stating that Alameda Research had significant holdings in the FTT token and that FTX essentially used part of those tokens in its business operations. After those accusations, Binance, a competing cryptocurrency exchange that had previously invested in FTX, said it would sell all of its FTT holdings. This caused the market price of the token to drop dramatically. I mean, crazy drop. Within two days, the values of FTT would go from $23 down to $4.50. That's like, that's an 86% drop in value. The move also triggered a spike in customer withdrawals with FTX, causing the exchange to freeze withdrawals due to an inability to meet withdrawal demands. Only 4.5 billion out of the original 32 billion US dollars worth of crypto assets remained on the FTX network before the withdrawals were abruptly seized to be accepted. On 8th of November, Binance signed an offer to acquire FTX pending due diligence, but withdrew the offer the next day, citing reports of mishandled customer funds and US government investigations. Clearly, this didn't help the situation, exasperated the selling of FTT. Now, FTX submitted a Chapter 11 bankruptcy petition on November 11th, and SBF resigned as the company CEO the day before FTX filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, in addition to hundreds of affiliates that we're now finding out within the FTX and Alameda Research ecosystem. Now, the business is currently being run by restructuring lawyer John J. Ray. He previously oversaw Enron Corp's bankruptcy. FTX itself has retained Wall Street law firm Sullivan and Cromwell to provide outside legal service as it goes through the bankruptcy proceedings. Now, FTX's assets and liabilities, including its large network of linked companies, are estimated to be between 10 billion and 50 billion. It is alleged that the 16 billion worth of assets owned by SBF have disappeared. And so there's gonna be many years of investigations as they try, as regulatory officials try to find where this money all went. Now, last Thursday, a class action lawsuit was also launched alleging that SBF and other well-known exchange advocates of defrauding unsophisticated investors. The Moskowitz and Boys Schiller law firm filed a lawsuit on behalf of investors claiming that SBF broke US securities regulations and cost investors almost 11 billion in losses. So obviously, SBF is running into a lot of legal headwinds 
Being the founder and head of a failing organization where investors may have lost billions puts a very large target on your back. In the last couple days, word has got out that SBF has personally been fired by his law firm because, in the words of the platform's U.S. counsel, SBF is obstructing restructuring efforts by incessant and disruptive tweeting. And some thought it was bad when Musk took over Twitter. As reported by Reuters, SBF has sought to explain the implosion of FTX and disparage government regulators in posts on Twitter and conversations with reporters, which seems to have hampered his own legal counsel's effort to represent him properly. Martin Flumenbaum, partner at law firm Paul Weiss, Rifkine, Wharton, and Garrison, informed SBF that due to an undisclosed conflict, the firm would no longer represent him. Mr. Flumenbaum is quoted as saying, We informed Mr. Bankman-Fried several days ago after the filing of the FTX bankruptcy that conflicts have arisen that precluded us from representing him. When asked about what specific conflicts have arisen, Mr. Flumenbaum did not disclose. But routers did note that Mr. Flumenbaum is currently defending Christian Larson, the founder and chair of crypto payment and exchange company Ripple Labs, Inc., in a high-profile lawsuit filed by the SEC. His law firm represents many other financial industry clients, and perhaps getting mixed up with the newly created FTX situation with SBF may have put the law firm in some level of conflict, or at least made it difficult for them to create a winning defense for their other clients. In the Miami federal court lawsuit, Bankman-Fried's new legal team has not yet submitted an appearance, so we don't know exactly who is representing SBF at this point. However, I imagine there will be law firms lined up ready to do so. And so really the question is, can lawyers just fire their clients as they see fit? Now, after doing a bit of digging, this is a difficult question to answer as every jurisdiction across North America has different rules when it comes to the legal association regulating that profession in the jurisdiction. Now, here in Alberta, Canada, where I live, I looked at the Law Society, which is the governing body for lawyers in this province. And according to the Law Society, when withdrawing, a lawyer must avoid causing prejudice to the client and to others, including witnesses, the court, jurors, and opposing counsel and parties. A lawyer may be obliged to continue regardless of breakdown in lawyer-client relationship. Essentially, what this means is that if the action of withdrawing from representation of a client causes harm or injury that results or may result in some form of action or judgment, then a lawyer would be obliged to continue regardless of the client relationship. Now, the law society continues by noting that unlawful or unethical instructions entitle the lawyer to withdraw, but the cost to the client or the administration of justice may be high. For example, a client intent on committing perjury poses an ethical dilemma. If a lawyer fires the client in the midst of a trial, he or she risks painting the client as a liar. Soldiering on, however, would be a breach of the lawyer's duty of candor to the court. Now, when I was doing my research, it was very similar across other regulatory bodies. Another one I found is the American Bar Association, and it also indicates in Rule 1.16.7 that a lawyer may withdraw from representation in some circumstances. The lawyer has the option to withdraw if it can be accomplished without material adverse effect on the client's interest. Withdrawal is also justified if the client persists in a course of action that 
the lawyer reasonably believes is criminal or fraudulent. For a lawyer is not required to be associated with such conduct, even if the lawyer does not further it. The lawyer may also withdraw where the client insists on taking action that the lawyer considers repugnant or imprudent objective with which the lawyer has a fundamental disagreement. Now, essentially, the, the more I read about the rules around this, the more it seems that having the courts grant your request to fire a client is very difficult and is only granted under exceptional circumstances. Now, that being said, there's no obligation for the lawyer to represent the client in a new case, especially if a conflict is to arise. Now, the law society is very clear that in the face of a conflict of interest, a lawyer will be required to withdraw from a representation. Most of the language behind these rules talks about leaving in the middle of a client matter and doesn't preclude a lawyer from not taking the next case with the client. So what's interesting is that SBF's lawyers have cited both of these items as one of the reasons for firing SBF. First, SBF obstructing their ability to represent him properly and that a conflict has arisen. Now, perhaps they're throwing as much ammo at this to cut their ties, covering all potential bases where it would be reasonable to fire a client. So the final takeaway is that based on these rules and regulatory policies that I read through the Alberta jurisdiction and the American Bar Association is that as a lawyer, you can fire your client, but only under extraordinary circumstances. And as long as it doesn't bring adverse effect and damage on your client by doing so. As a business development professional, I will say that a careful look at your communication and PR strategy would be required and advised as you wouldn't want to lose the confidence of your other clients. You wouldn't want to portray your firm as cutting bait whenever you run into hardship with a client situation. But a carefully planned and strategically laid out communication will help guide your firm's reputation on a more positive note rather than a negative one. That's it. Thanks for joining me on this episode of This Professional Life. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening from. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit the like and subscribe button as well. Also, if you're a professional looking to help grow your practice, don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to have a chat with you about how digital content can amplify your business development efforts. Take care. I'll catch you in the next episode. Step